0: Welcome to the third episode of the Animal Riot Podcast, brought to you by Animal Riot Press, a literary press for books that matter. It's your producer Katie here, and this episode has been edited to reflect our new name. If you're new to the Animal Riot community, welcome, and you can find out more about us at animalriotpress.com. This episode and the following few episodes are a special series in which Brian and I traveled to different states around the country to talk to folks in the literary community there so it'll deviate a little bit from our previous episodes. Now on to the episode with your host, Brian Birnbaum, and today's guest, Joan Rossidi and David Birnbaum.
1: Okay, 64, fine, 73, 120, 210. Wow. Wow.
2: wow. Excuse me, I'm the king. Okay.
3: If you want to support the patriarchy. I can be the king if I want. She wants to support the patriarchy. Today marks the first in a string of episodes, starting with this conversation with my parents about being deaf in the world, which we recorded at their house just outside D.C. We'll be doing shows with artists living and working in Little Rock, the owners of a small press in Baltimore. These podcasts deviate a bit from the structure of our first two, as you'll see. One of the aims is to build community, and to do so by pushing literature beyond its siloed mercantile process. This involves bringing in different voices and areas of expertise, or, as Katie and I have put it, bringing in more than just a few dudes shouting into a microphone about the decline of literature. Today's episode features starkly different voices, voices modulated in the presence of hearing loss, voices strained by linguistic multitasking, but more than anything, the voices of an often voiceless population, both literally and figuratively.
4: So who's winning? (laughs) You
1: have: uh, <laughs> I feel, right? Like. Do you What's that tune that you have
4: The podcast.:
3: You can think of this as my origin story episode, for both myself as a human and for the origin of my novel, due out in September. Featured in this episode are my parents, Joan Rossidi and David Birnbaum alongside my partner and producer Katie Rainey. My parents were a bit shy about the whole podcast idea, so rather than intimidating them with equipment and questions, we opted for a more natural conversation while we played several rounds of Rummy 500. As deaf people, my parents speak remarkably well. My mother, you might notice, exhibits impeccable diction and syntax, but has had to work on her speech far harder than my father, because she is deafer and more self-conscious of her deafness's effect on her speech. However, though louder and more confident, my father's speech is steeped in the gestural vernacular of American Sign Language, whose sentence structure resembles French only with far less reliance on articles, prepositions, and transitive and verbs.
4: I repeat his with no curse in it. <laughs> Do you remember that?
3: <laughs> no. And also, you would always tell me the story about how your mom would put soap in your mouth.
4: <laughs> she I <would>. give up. <laughs> <laughs> I I gotta give up so many
1: points.
3: For our part, Katie and I might sound a little strained at times, as if there's something in our mouths that we're marshalling our words around. It's not that we're buzzed on red wine, which I am, throughout, while Katie and my parents are drunk only on Rummy 500. But there are other reasons, the first being that we're taking care to enunciate our words. Deaf people read lips, so yelling at them doesn't help all that much. Unless they're your parents and you really want to go to Dave's house to play video games. Thanks, Katie. The other reason is that we're also all signing as we speak, which was standard throughout my childhood, and why you'll hear, or read, if you're one of our lovely deaf fans tuning in via transcript, some fits and starts in our speech. As a born and bred empath, back in the spring of 2016, Katie took sign language lessons in secret until Christmas, whereupon she surprised my parents with the gift of signing with their son's partner.
1: 68. 19.
2: 120. 10. How many? 58. 68. 68. 10. 210. I'm killing it. How many? (laughs) 10. I'm the
3: winner. 73. What you heard before this now rambling preamble was my use of the sign for father or dad to signal the patriarchy. These sorts of improvised signs fall somewhere between synonym and homonym, stretching the sign's meaning to its logical edges. Anyway, I said I'd shut up, so let's get back to the conversation.
2: Brian said you threw an air conditioner out of a window. You know what used to be in my book? Remember
3: you told me a story about how when you were at PS 147,
2: that's the deaf school,
3: right? In, in yes, 47. B- oh, 47, 47. And you said you pushed
1: an air conditioning unit? Father. No, uh, how letter. Oh, a printer, okay. Printed it okay. you know, All the ABC, or the old days, you know how they print newspaper? Yeah. You have to buy manual ABC. Black. Black. That's how. So, all the people, heavy, like, to go outside. People come in. That was 62 years ago. How old were you? About eight years old, seven years old.
4: You were 17?
1: Seven years old, eight years old.
4: And you just threw it out? Yeah. Did you get in trouble? Oh, yeah. Why did you do
1: that? I have fun.
4: Oh, yeah,
2: you got kicked You got kicked out of the deaf school for that.
1: Yeah, uh, because I had the clock, you know, clock, you know. A and I said, bad boy. And many deaf students Gun. remember me, said that uh, I'm very impressed. Because you went home, you told me your father, "Beat me, yeah, beating me." Next day, you still trouble. So you would your lesson. Oh,
3: no. Did you? Do you have to wear the dunce hat and uh, stare
1: at the wall? Stare at the clock. The clock, right? And <laughs> the <it's laughs> people say, bah, bah. Mm-hmm. I love,
2: I love that And and, so that, and you got you got kicked out of school.
1: You had to you had to go back to hearing school. Because here I got back to hearing school because it's prison. Yeah. Oh, that's
2: I, get uh, I don't feel comfortable because you don't understand anything. No, don't. But
1: that's Not cool. Exactly. But I play! It's <laughs> fun. I get a lot of tension. It's fun. Well, that's,
2: that's where Brian gets it.
3: <laughs> Here, my father is talking about how difficult it was to find consistency in his schooling. This topic takes up a section of Emerald City, my forthcoming novel. One of my main characters, Benison, is also a child of deaf adults. His father also doodled away his time in school and wasn't quite deaf enough to attend PS-47, one of the two major deaf schools in New York in the middle of the 20th century. When my father was admitted, he was so excited to attend a deaf school where he'd finally be able to communicate with people, which you'd think was a prerequisite to learning, let alone basic social functioning. But he was too excited. He couldn't behave himself, and eventually got kicked out after he pushed a manual printer out of the window in a moment of what I can only imagine was uncontainable excitement. I guess now we know where I inherited my behavioral issues. Do you think the guy? You, you remember you told me the story a uh, hundred times about the uh, gunpoint yeah. when you were driving the cab. Do you think he held you up because you were deaf? He knew you were deaf, I or just He's random? Expected.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: When I should sign deaf. I know, yeah. You, yeah, you said so I you couldn't. Right. I couldn't hear what you were saying, right? Yeah. You're right. My father worked his proverbial ass off as New York's first deaf cab driver, saving money to buy his own medallion license and run his own cab company. Just a couple days before he was to sign the paperwork for the medallion, he got held up at gunpoint right outside Grand Central Station. This, of course, was back in the 70s when New York was still rugged. At my grandmother's behest, he welched on the medallion and went back to school. Yeah, I know I can't imagine The only time I've ever seen a gun I mean because I'm from the north relatively is a police officer. I've never
1: seen a gun otherwise. Ah, but, but when watched, watched I, I watch movies yet today that Come I there. amazing I said Grand. I went That where I parked the car. Ah. Camp. right there. Really. Right there. Forty-second Street Park. Here.
2: that's where you got robbed.
1: Yeah, that's
3: where he got held up. But you didn't give him any money, right? No, he had, money he had the, didn't say because it. there's no. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah. How did he not know
3: that? <laughs> the conversation took a quick turn here from my father's early years as a deaf child in a hearing school and the first deaf cab owner to that of a frustrated deaf entrepreneur trying to do business in a hearing world. He started a courier business in 1981 and wanted to do business with his alma mater. Gallaudet, thinking they'd be in line to support a deaf owned business. As we'll see, he was unfortunately mistaken.
1: Because he's afraid that I opened up the letter, but I delivered package from because Gallaudet. You that. Because you're deaf. And Because you're deaf, you know too much. Mm-hmm. Too dangerous. But You know I,
3: too much? How, how would you being deaf mean you know
1: too much? I don't understand. Well, if I, if I could, if they did pick up the letter, I could.
4: I'm probably
1: telling you, i Do or something. Yeah. I know everybody that I pick up a letter. So you never too kind of. It. You think maybe I'll open now it up. you're no. opening it. I that's rid- that's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, but that's the, that's the same as a regular mail. They could open right. it. And the,
1: whoever, Whoever's whoever, delivering. I work with the courier. They said if you open up a letter, it's a federal crime. You can't yeah. open it. So it's like postal. We so, treat them.
2: Why are they. I said, why do you treat me? Huh? Why were they worried about a deaf person opening it when a, a hearing person? I know opened not deaf
1: people. I know, uh, I know, I know everybody.
2: Oh, because you know all the people. But
1: so, but
2: uh. I don't. I'm a, but yeah, that's professional. Just like counseling. Yeah. Yeah,
3: professional. But whoever delivers the mail to the to the White House. Oh, anywhere. They know the president too. <laughs> they could open the
1: mail. <laughs> that's weird. But it shows it shows uh, a they don't want deaf people, you know, whatever. Well, that's, he's hearing. He's hearing.
2: So that's like deaf people are oppressing themselves, right?
1: But he's hearing. But he's hearing. Oh,
2: he's hearing. Because oh, this is he was this oh, is
1: before okay. the first oh, before deaf King president at Gallaudet. I see. Yeah. I yeah see, okay. right, so right. 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 behind that. Deaf people are way behind. And, and he, know. my dad, my
3: dad was one of the first people who, like, whatever, campaigned yeah. for for a, one for a deaf time. president. Yeah. A couple things here. As class president of Gallaudet, my father was at the forefront of the students' movement for a deaf president of the university, which gained momentum under its cogent battle cry, Deaf President Now. There's a published anthology covering Deaf President Now, in which my father is mentioned just once despite putting together most of the press releases, a snubbing he said used to bother him back when he cared about his image.
1: What happened was, when I saw I got angry. I thought, this should be a deaf president. The poor president. <laughs> that's a joke you know
2: having a deaf president yeah he said that was a joke
1: yeah not only that King George became president best friend
4: not only that King
2: oh
1: George, were you pissed off about that
4: also not not only that it's like people black people they picked their like the, the skin one but King what, do, what do you was mean by most, that uh, what do you mean
3: what do you mean by that uh,
4: they, like col- colorism. Well, like in Hollywood, the they seem to pick chaos, they seem to pick actors that have the most white skin, and them.
3: That can fit in more with white people right. or something like that.
4: Did you know that the whiter they, are, the more they? Yeah, it's called right. it's called color- colorism. Colorism. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah colors that's awesome. The same thing with that. So the same death. thing with that. People. people that apply for that tragedy. King Jordan was the most royalist and had a voice and could wow. speak well compared to the other two. Who was the other two? that was running?
1: There was a two hearing. Is there is yeah,
3: There was uh, there, there was a woman, right? And she was Dr. what was her name?
1: Sitzer.
2: Yeah. So King Jordan was the most Sitzer. oral and the most yeah. the most hearing Sitzer. of the deaf But being. the only deaf candidate. She, she got oh, wow. uh, a
1: yeah. job, but only left 2-3 um, days. That, that yeah, she, because um, they
3: protest. So when you went, they still made fun of you because you because you spoke.
1: Oh.
3: So was Well, yeah, yeah.
4: And, but, they have the sign, yeah. Right,
3: they had the sign. You just heard my folks talking about Irving King Jordan, King Jordan for short, becoming Gallaudet's first deaf president and how his ability to communicate with hearing people probably impacted the choice. But this wasn't always the case. That is, there's a long history of certain groups within deaf culture that derogate hearing culture, including and especially deaf people who use their voice. At the end there, I asked my mom about the sign that her classmates used to mock her for talking, a loud movement that involves using your arms to imitate the opening and closing of a mouth. My mother didn't learn sign language until she went to Gallaudet. In fact, her parents refused to accept that she was deaf until her mother, my grandma, took her to Gallaudet for a college visit. Not only was she tasked with navigating a hearing world without the use of her ears, but she was also made to act as if her deafness were a personality flaw that could be corrected by ignoring it, as if she were a petulant child whose tantrums fizzled out faster when starved of attention. If you take the
2: cochlear out, can you hear any sound? No. Oh, no.
3: um, Mom, when you had the hearing aid, you couldn't hear anything. Oh, I would, I would, I'd be like, mom, mom, and I would have to slam on the floor. Huh? Oh, all the time. So, all I don't, the time. The hearing aid. So, no, not even close. Maybe you could hear. How do I put this? I think with the with the cochlear, it's more like you can hear more noise, but with the hearing aid, it's more. I think more definition.
4: With one on one. Yes. Really yeah. So
2: what, so with the cochlear right now, you hear loud noises? Uh, yeah,
4: but I, um, I pick up high frequencies and then like I got tinnitus. Oh. Tinnitus? What's tinnitus? Tinnitus, tinnitus? tinnitus is like, like ringing in your ear. Uh. I
3: never met my grandmother. She died at 54 before I was born of lung cancer. My mom remembers making her martinis as early as 10 in the morning. The stories about her make me think we would have gotten along famously, yet the way she and my grandpa handled my mother's deafness is difficult for me to look past. However, though hesitant to admit her deafness as a child, my grandparents, perhaps filled with contrition by my mother's forced confrontations with the hearing world, were the ones to change their minds. Come graduation, they urged her to consider Gallaudet. As if inculcated by years of assimilation, it was my mother who balked at the notion. When she did make the visit to Gallaudet's campus, almost immediately she asked her mom if they could just turn around and go home. It was my grandma who made her finish the tour, saying that her father would kill them if they didn't go through with it. My mother ended up falling in love with the campus, but upon her arrival, she still had to confront autism which can get a little complicated considering that it comes from both hearing people with little patience or care for the plight of deaf people, along with deaf people who resent hearing culture, including deaf people who submit themselves by using spoken language. Hence the arm-chomping sign that her peers used to mock my mother's oralism.
4: I feel I am deaf. I know you think it's autism because I speak better than you and I have more contact with the human world. But that's, if they don't pick me, it's autism for me. Because I'm deaf, but you see it different because because you're a different kind of deaf person.
3: I always awe at my mother's plight. How her childhood spent pretending she was hearing made her associate deafness with neediness, leading to guilt and anxiety, which my mom's side isn't short on. How she didn't even consider going to a deaf school until visiting Gallaudet's campus, whereupon she underwent every mind-changing stage in a matter of a few hours how this was a decision to immerse herself in another world to which she was foreign, unable to communicate with the indigenous peoples because of a barrier that transcends language and was more like trying to understand a phenomenon that fell outside the purview of human perception, an alien sort of synesthesia. Luckily, my mother's first roommate, Maureen Collins, with whom she remains close, took the trouble to teach my mom ASL, American Sign Language. Sometimes I wonder whether the memory of learning sign language during that first semester strikes her as a form of jamais vu, which is a French loan word for a feeling of unfamiliarity with something that you're very familiar with, like those moments when you look at your spouse or partner and realize that you really don't know them at all. When you went, did you see anyone who could not sign and they made fun of people? Cool. Did you did you do it? Uh, no. <laughs> I did not care. Yeah, I, don't I mean... Care. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm just careful. i'm just
1: curious i'm just curious. curious but what's interesting many people meet me i mean during that right. time there's no relay oh. there's no relay, relation but they said i need somebody can have a phone i said ugly phone i, I talked to them. people. said you you can hear that people shot i do so i said, the I, said, I, said oh, I hear well i talked to a top of they're when
3: because when I was a kid, you talked to me on the phone when I was at friends' houses, right. but now, can you still say the same thing? Yeah. yeah. With the... Um, prefer... Because you, you use the VP. Oh, right now,
1: much All better. Yeah. Easy. Right. Much better, easier.
2: You, can you hear oh, on the phone without the hearing aid, or no? No. 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 Okay. no.
1: My parents
3: are both quite oral, which can be an extreme privilege in the Deaf world, depending on whom you ask among the Deaf community. You see, this is where autism comes into play. Under the umbrella of deaf culture are competing factions. Some deaf sects view anything to do with hearing culture, from the use of the spoken word to the idea of curing deafness as a betrayal. On the other hand, as you heard during the discussion about King Jordan, many oral deaf folks will discriminate against those less willing or able to interact with the hearing world. And here the conversation turns again. In doing this podcast with my parents, Katie was interested in talking to them about deaf literature and deaf authors, especially given the current literary conversation about representation in fiction. Here, she brings back the podcast focus to our literary endeavors and representation of deaf culture and literature. Here, my mom pulled out a book for Katie, Deaf Culture Fairy Tales by Roz Rosen, which prompted Katie to ask the following. So, so wait, I, I have a question
2: about this. Is this the first... That character you've seen in a book?
1: Uh, no. Um,
4: other authors have written books.
1: There was this guy, Duck, with last name.
4: And also the and island for deaf people. Yeah. One people author People
1: who had island, all deaf people. Deaf the time. wrote the book. He died. What's what? the name? Like a utopia? Or yeah. yeah, like a utopia. Right, that
4: was the That was the name.
1: So, <laughs> so what was the conflict? I remember. I, I never read the book, but... It's about everybody pretend everybody's deaf. I stop hearing people come, hearing people feel thought. Like just, the, it's opposite, opposite, yeah, opposite uh, How
2: how do you so was that person hearing or were they deaf stop, when they wrote it? They were, deaf. they were deaf person.
1: I've got that. How
2: do you feel? Brian's hearing. He, he's hearing. So how do you feel about hearing people writing about deaf people?
1: Uh, it depends.
2: It Depends, but the pissed off.
1: But I mean it depends. <laughs> so what about what about me? Well, you don't write uh, you write tell uh, you don't talk about it. Your book's not about death. No, it's not. Right. right.
2: But it but it's from the, the it has, perspective of a deaf deaf people. No.
3: Well Some, one. One. Yeah. One, one. character is deaf and I go into his perspective, yes. But I know what you're saying. You're saying it's not about being deaf. Yeah. That's not the book. That. But but at the same time. I still write about it.
4: Yeah, but if you were to write about John Ye, I think that's okay.
3: A quick note on John Ye. John founded Viable, a deaf access agency that focused on video relay services for the deaf. Essentially, VRS allows deaf people to use video conferencing to dial an access agency's call center and connect with an interpreter, who then dials for the hearing person that the deaf person is trying to communicate with. However, Viable didn't only interpret calls for the deaf. Among several schemes, they hired deaf folks to dial into the call center to run minutes, meaning phony phone calls, for which the Federal Communications Commission would remunerate them. My mother brought up John Yeh because I fictionalized this business model in my novel, Emerald City.
4: Why? But if you're in the mental health profession, yeah, you're right. writing about deaf personalities, things like that, it like, come from a deaf person. Because he's sign I don't on. know what it's like, right. right.
3: right. Like,
1: like yeah. he's sign language, the language... Yeah, right. uh, it should be that. Right, but right. it's like story about. You know? So,
2: so I have a question because we're both writers and we write, you know, not true things like fiction.
1: Fiction, yeah. So fiction,
2: fiction. we write fiction. So we we talk a lot about writing from different people's point of views, but in in the literary culture. Right now, if you write from the perspective of somebody else, it gets tricky. People get angry. Yeah.
1: It's like black people. Uh, white people talk about black slave you know, yeah. and all that's, that stuff. Yeah. It's a yeah. Pro-
3: yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem. I want to talk
1: about civil so, rights because, like for example, how many digit it? If, if, if they're union, they want to be more centered toward black. So they hire black people working you know, work with them. So I look, why not deaf? And, and I applied, we have a group deaf unit. He said, no, no, he didn't like that. I, I could represent them. but you're black. Oh, that's different. Yeah.
3: It's, it's happening all the time. It's, a, it's the same thing as the 8A certification. Same thing, 8A. What's the 8A? 8A is like social economic disadvantage. Yeah. See? A certificate. It's different different forms of affirmative action.
1: Pretty, pretty, pretty much. much Contract. Con-
4: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. If so you're black, you're, you're automatic. automatic. Right, right. If you're black, you're automatic. You're socioeconomic. You don't have to prove. You're automatic. Mm-hmm. But if you're deaf, you have to prove that you are economic, and individual.
2: Which is so weird because what is it? Seventy-five percent of deaf people are unemployed. Yeah, okay. about now.
1: Is
3: that still is that still true? Yeah, very true. Seventy-five percent.
1: Yeah, seventy-five yeah, okay. percent. So That's ridiculous. But we, I did, and at that time we had a meeting. They had to think I should get aid out now. So one guy said, "You don't know what it's like every day." So should I said, "I said I would not be black Why don't I be deaf. You when I last one hour, you know." Here
3: my father is referring to a man on the 8A board who convinced the rest of the members to award 8A certification for a sign language interpreting company. To reiterate, some government contracts are reserved for 8A business, meaning that only businesses with an 8A certification, proving they are economically disadvantaged, can compete for that contract. To the unaccustomed listener, my father's words may seem bold, if not callous, particularly in today's climate, when criticizing non-whites can so easily be interpreted
1: as racism. I'm black, happy summer, we know that, but deaf too, mm-hmm. but they said the difference Many deaf people killed, mm-hmm. if you bought that? deaf, they throw it out on the street, it's true.
3: By and large, deaf people identify first as deaf, then, if at all, by their race. So when my father criticizes the 8A board members from back in 1995, he means hearing people who sought exclusive use and control of this form of affirmative action. Deaf people are just plain blunt. Take for example the sign for fat or obese. It involves indicating the person you're talking about, using your arms to mime the size of that person, and puffing your cheeks up and flapping your lips like a horse. Of course, there are subtler ways to do this, but the point is, euphemisms and entendre are far more apparent in hearing culture. When you're forced to physically act out what you mean, language and thinking becomes that much more literal. So when my father says that he'd rather be black than deaf, or that the 8A board, which had at that time been run by an overwhelming black majority, made it difficult for him to work toward equal opportunity, that's exactly what he means. As for deaf unemployment, According to the National Deaf Center's 2016 report, 52% of the deaf population is unemployed. Though not the aforementioned 75% that plagued the deaf population until recently, it's still pretty shocking to learn that half of America's deaf people can't find work, and still more shocking that deaf people have to convince the board that they deserve certification, while as pretty much every non-white race doesn't have to prove their hardships for the A-Day.
1: It's saying like dark, black, light, black, many people feel... But that, there's, the there's problems in,
3: in the community problem. for that because
1: yeah, no, I understand. The same that with yeah. or you see, the beauty and how people deaf people groups, if they see me if I talk, it's a the traitor. Oh, traitor. I I'm lucky I could talk about I could communicate, but some group deaf people angry at me.
3: And yeah, and they, they refuse to, to talk. Wow, well, they're against it. They're
1: against it. Yeah, they can But they see me. They they know me. I mean, I'm pretty well liked. And they, see, they, they know many people think I'm deaf Very deaf they're, Many people don't know I speak well. Say so to people, you know, people look Joan. Oh, she's teary so, Oh, you marry your wife? uh Some people said she's teary and, No, she's deaf, She's more deaf than me. But really? Oh. So because so she, hmm. she learned sign nineteen, yeah. So my brother and I we grew up. And I went to deaf school. She did. Uh, you're, the, the, your brother can't talk, even,
3: one percent close to you. The, it's my
4: completely different. Wow. Well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's confident. He had almost saying my hearing though. Wow. It I, early at early. one time, I told my brother, "Let's talk the phone." He hit me. How are you? Hi, I could not believe she came out here. Nothing. Oh yeah, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. He hit well, but confident, Debated. How brain work? My father treated him terrible. He treated mm-hmm. me terrible too. <laughs> yeah. but between my brother and I, I rebel. I said, "Fuck you, my brother." <laughs> my brother bow, bow. I said, "Fuck you."
3: My grandfather was, to put it lightly, an asshole, driven by envy and anger. At sixteen, he and my father got into a brutal argument, which was normal until my father socked him in the stomach, watched him tumble down the stairs, and left home for good. He worked and lived at a supermarket until attending Rochester Institute of Technology's flagship NTID program, which invited deaf students to study at the college. My father had two siblings, a hearing sister and a deaf brother. They both stayed near home through to adulthood, which seemed to damage my Uncle Joel in particular. He's had trouble holding down jobs and as my grandmother lost control of her health, he siphoned most of what was a healthy bank account.
1: He was he was an asshole. Oh he was an asshole. The last five, seven years my father taught me better because he get he knew he, older. He knew he was gonna die. He knew he yeah. died. He he feel he needs help. Mm-hmm. Legal everything. I would help him. Mm-hmm. And he realized David, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'll not you. Like a reverse, you know, mm-hmm. change. Got better. But it's an attitude. He called my mother Pee Brain. Dad. Like more five days before he died, peep brain. Jesus. don't talk like that. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> caught, he caught her
4: every night for dinner he
1: would call her a brain. Yeah, he called everybody stupid. It caught Brian stupid. Remember? <laughs> You
4: don't talk to kids. It's just common sense. And I don't know if you remember that night we went to King drive when you were really little. Oh I remember
1: the that. <laughs> it, was, it was my birthday.
4: Oh, very, very I, I was I was very vocal with his father. And this was the beginning. I mean he was a baby then. And I said to him. oh I'm so excited because La Petite Academy, the day college, he was coming to the teaching branch to speak Spanish. Oh wow. And he said, he said, What's wrong with English? Why are you teaching him Spanish? He needs to be taught English. He's a Democrat. And I said to, <laughs> to
1: him,
4: I said to Evan, well, what's wrong with my English? I can teach my English. What's wrong with my English? And so we got into a big fight. And the yeah. restaurant yeah. how did I did not make us pay the bill. Really? And I, know, I, I was crying. And you're crying. Oh my oh god. god. Her <laughs> the what an asshole. Because I was so hurt by running. But, but he.
3: Because he thought you couldn't teach me, like I, right. I was not going to be able to speak or something.
4: You're speaking that, <laughs> my
3: language skills are better than most people.
2: <laughs> do you do you have feelings about the podcast about us doing a a hearing recording? But the there's podcast? no. Do you, do you no 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 no. Just there's like, no other way. In general. Do you feel upset because your your son is doing a, a hearing recording? No,
1: no, no. no. Not. Okay.
3: I mean, he's doing. It. I mean, and also, also, there's no, there's no other way. Right. How, how else would we do it? Right. We could write it, but but the conversation is different when you write, and and then we, we could, can't but, sign. But
2: we could try to film it.
3: But then it's the same. You have to caption it. Yeah there's no difference I mean, there's there's literally no difference you can't lip read you can't lip read like that yeah. it's not possible
1: remember when we raised him he's not deaf he's silly mm-hmm. so he had to find it here uh, if he had if we taught him something he could grab some information from us. the way he's hearing. Uh, podcast words go ahead go for it don't okay. stop I want to grow I mean, I
3: can't take away. No. Well, well, because I I know you always believe that you have to just do what you can for yourself. I right. know, I know that. I know that.
2: But you you said er- earlier sometimes you don't feel included. What's
4: included? Included. Included. Included many times i a been included.
2: So I just, I was wondering how how the podcast made you feel.
4: It's not about inclusion or exclusion.
2: But the, the
3: does the transcript make you feel more included? Oh yes, definitely. About yeah. yeah,
4: yeah. doing the podcast, now I don't feel excluded.
3: But it's interesting that you you uh, brought up the inclusion because hearing people also speak to each other and don't want to include other people, <laughs> they do it all the time. But you're yeah. more sensitive. No, it happens a, a lot. lot. Oh, we, all we, the, we do it a lot. All, all the time. Always happens. When I say my mother is more sensitive to this, it's important to recall that she was raised in many ways to act as if she were hearing. It took me quite some time to begin understanding the depth of this deprivation. In addition to feeling left out, the expectation to fit in without assistance synthetically heightened her anxiety, made her worry that she was always missing something. Someone who experienced that sort of negative trauma is more prone to think they're being left out, whether it's acutely true or not. Furthermore, it's seated in my mother a deeper longing to be involved in and know about hearing culture.
2: But even now, it's hard for you to understand me totally, even though I sign a little bit.
3: It's your turn? It's my turn. I, I just put down. And you have oh, to okay, right, right, right.
2: different than you normally do to talk to me. Right? No. No?
3: No. I
4: have money, money, money.
2: But when no. it's just David and you alone, then they just sign. You sign. Because
4: but they either... David's more ASR than me.
2: And but. If
4: no. I was with Simpson, I would talk and voice all the time.
2: Oh, really? And and you guys talk a lot.
4: We do.
3: You talk a lot.
4: Right. But David <laughs> is more ASR. I'm more ISR. I find that I use more with David. But if I'm with Simpson, I do ASL, I start I boys, but right. we boys right.
1: at the same right. time we talk. Right, we, right, right. It depends. Yeah. If, if like, like Tracy Tracy Steve right. we all
4: talk my friend
1: talk. all like us, like Steve, right. Tracy met him. That's similar the same like
4: way us. that we talk to you.
1: Right. I, we talk I, with
4: I,
2: I know that I talk a little bit different because
1: you you pronunciate.
3: You you're not you yeah
2: But when I was when I was learning French, it was the same. I I, the way I talked was a little bit slower because I'm thinking of, of the words mm-hmm. while signing mm-hmm. and the same in the French. So I'm I'm, I'm doing the same thing now. Right. You've um,
4: got a later when you're signing. Yeah, it's going to take
2: a while. Right.
1: Yeah. But but when what, what I communicate with my old friend, a lot of it, like I got Cynthia before he signed A w, But I might go to like that events, I don't use for at all. A yeah. sign for the deaf. Yeah, it? their language. I mean, their English is good, yeah, but their language, their culture is more similar different. like mine. It's mm-hmm. a
4: different culture. I mean, mm-hmm. they have a, they have a, language, the AS language, ASL language, a structured language, and they all talk the same way. I know, and, and I write them, they all have the same. Right, language.
3: because Dad's grammar when he speaks is more similar. To ASL and yours is more similar to English.
1: Right, right.
3: Very different. It's very different. Fly,
4: fly, fly, fly. Which is which is
3: ASL is more similar to French language, which like, is interesting. Because yeah. Because it's because that's where it's from, right?
2: Because AS, ASL doesn't is, have art, articles, right? right?
3: No, there's articles. there's no articles and also the subject and the predicate and the no, object are in this are in the order of yeah. French. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The distinction here is a bit complicated, steeped in the differences within Deaf culture. My father is more ASL, again, American Sign Language, whose sentence constructions most resemble French, only without much of the articles and transitive verbs, which is why my father speaks the way he does. This is because in 1816, Thomas Hopkins Gallaudet brought over Laurent Clerc, a Frenchman who was revolutionizing Deaf education in Paris to head his university for the deaf here in America. The story is fairly rich, but for our purposes here, I mean to show how ASL is very different from Signed English, which my mother favors. Signed English is exactly what it sounds or reads like, English sentence constructions, often using more articles, transitive verbs, and fingerspelling. Compared to Sign English, ASL looks like charades or, as Katie would put it upon meeting a deaf man in Little Rock a few days later, like poetry in motion. It's highly idiomatic and gestural, and many deaf people have trouble communicating with people who use purer versions of ASL. I, I
1: mean, it's very frustrating. Like, the time I, I go door pa, all the time with the Yankees. One person, woman, man, come, don't talk to me. Oh, I don't to talk. I talk about anything, to talk to me. When somebody come up, hearing person, come in third person, it's over. Which, yeah, it's yeah, over. Yeah. What the fuck, you know? <laughs> and I hate that. Uh, I usually sit alone, rebooked. My own word. I like mm. it. I hate.
4: The, I'm more. Hate.
1: What the fuck is it I'm
4: less likely to get angry.
1: Yeah. I'm. Please, but you feel you you feel more upset.
4: Yeah. I feel you want sad, you
3: want but, yeah, yeah. You want to be involved. I should. I I should walk involved. away. Right. 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 Do you? Ever, do I'm more. Do, do you? Feel... I'm more similar to dad. I like yeah. I understand where you're coming from because I wish I would get. I would have that that instinct to to want to like reach out to that person
1: but I'm more likely to get angry too I, I just walk away, I, I don't care I have no desire to talk to him. not that I hate it, be repeat, repeat, enough, enough. I don't care I'm happy with read book, I'm happy wrong like Facebook coach Mike, he treat me like a shit oh yeah, god
4: I I, that was my
1: coach, no, oh, that was a natural uh, coach. coach I want him to get followed, take Facebook coach that, he, he, and I, oh, the fan I, uh, I walk away.
2: He didn't want you because you're deaf.
3: Who knows? Maybe, maybe. Pro- I mean, that, that was that was part of it, probably. But I mean, there was there was a few people. But, but he's you know, not a bad like guy. Zach, but Zach, that, that's how people see me. That's fine. I like, walk away. Like like Zach's dad, he got involved immediately, even right. though I was on the team way before he was. You
1: know, I was the one who brought him there. <laughs> but I'm okay. Yeah. I
4: just got pissed off so easily. Why? No,
1: Richie, Richie, Richie. Richie. The there it is. And, and Amy, and, A- and Amy. 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 Uh, wait,
4: wait.
3: Here, Katie's producorial skills kick in as my family and I get too excited about old stories and start talking all at once. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait. What?
2: What's the story? This is. They,
3: these <laughs> were family friends. Like you, you guys. I don't know how we you met, met at them. at the, the you met at the Columbia Association pool. Yes. The swimming pool.
4: Yes. The Dorsey house.
3: Yes. Right. House. Right. Near the uh, giant. Yes. But, uh, and so you met them, and then, I don't know, did I become friends with, uh, Josh? Right. And so then you were friends with their parents. Right. Because so, together. why did you get pissed off at them?
1: What? We. we what?
4: What? Because, <laughs> because um, Richie invited us to dinner, he invited another couple, Richie's never there, and i night talking to the healing couple. Uh, no no, I,
1: no, no, right? no, 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 no. I no. Mean, I no. Mean, yeah. We went to, uh, Richie and I, went to uh, the fourth of July. He came later. So, Vishi and I were talk, 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 talk. Yeah, a long time. And that guy came in, Here a guy. Talk, talk, I would sit there. Five minutes, ten minutes, one hour. They just ignored I no books, nothing. He took me.
2: They just ignored you.
1: Totally it's good. And then later, he talked me.
4: David, that's how he works.
2: I'm
1: sorry. World.
4: The hearing person talks to a hearing person for a long time, but they go talk to another hearing person for a long time, but they go back to that person. No, that, it that. Yeah. He gets mad, and that we can't be friends with them anymore. And I would grieve every time we
2: lost friendship. Did it upset you when Brian was little and he had? friends over to the house no. and, they, no. and they were talking. It's and covered. the kid
1: it is loved us. I mean the kid it, it, they joined the house. Our and oh. our, our house was the fun house. Yeah.
2: The <laughs> they came in <laughs> but they, were they weren't signing. That. So did that no, upset no, because, you at all? I mean yeah.
1: they, 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 they,
4: they, they, they they,
2: could, they,
1: they could, never
2: could, they never did what the do uh, uh, the
1: kids respect me. I mean they called me the burn bomb come David they respect us and, and they were young and I was older and, and they were good kids they were good kids they,
3: they loved you guys yeah you
1: know? they were good and I know that I mean some of them said it's a burn bomb. I want to apologize oh, we, oh, we, oh, we did I didn't know that <laughs> he said, really yeah. you you're not not matter No I know that. I mean we got sleep o'clock. They
4: make noise, but uh, we're tough, you
1: know. I know we that
4: we were a music jam. I, think I could feel the high The, the
3: bass, yeah. Well, it's because when we were in middle school, we would make holes in the wall. And then when we were in high school, we would drink and smoke pot <laughs> and all that shit. <laughs> but, I mean, a lot of
1: my friends similar experience. The kids, same story. Co- Codas. Yeah, CODA. yeah, not oh. deaf, not
3: deaf, not deaf kids. Oh, because no, no. right. Coda stands for child of deaf adults, meaning a hearing child with deaf parents. Many, if not most, sign language interpreters are codas, and there's a tacit bond among us. Or, if not tacit, there's something about our experience that we all understand but can't articulate very well—a weirdness, as it were, that results from being exposed to human differences practically at birth. Cool. right?
1: Common. I mean, we, had, we had so much fun. That's where we pooed with the dog.
4: Also, we got together with other cat families, with human children. Mm. We got vacations and stuff. Team we went into our house to Who's, Whose turn is Your it? Turn. Yeah. Your turn. It's my turn.
1: <laughs>
3: As our game winds down because Katie is kicking all of our asses, my dad starts to get nostalgic about his own life but at the same time reflects on his own deafness and how, in a heartbeat,
1: he'd take any magical pill that would allow him to hear. I mean, I had a wonderful life in that 70 years. I had a great life. There's some up and down, but I have a great life. A lot of frustration yes. What's interesting, if I have a pill, becoming become a hearing. Not coliplant. No way. I don't want surgery. This is a joke. But if I have a pill, I become a hearing. <laughs> I would yeah. grab one second. Okay. A lot of deaf people, what's the matter with you? Oh, because I see the knowledge. Like, I miss something. Mm-hmm. I know it. I'm bright, but I know I miss a lot. Mm-hmm. I see language. I don't hear it.
2: But maybe there's also a lot that you have because you're deaf and because you pick up on other things that hearing people miss.
1: Yeah. I haven't, but I see, I see the, the world the theory, the podcast, it's so much the language. I wish you know. Yeah. But, I would grab Yeah. I would I would sacrifice
3: knowledge, even if it meant that, to be able to hear too. Of course.
1: Because mm. knowledge is powerful. But what's, what's really, really interesting? People, friends, and, and look, a lot of deaf parents, deaf kids, they hang around what deaf. Like it's separate. You have a group of Jewish people. They hang around with Jewish people. Just hang around all the signs like my friend. How you talking? They're all about to talk. Did you say? how are we? you? know, yeah. I th-
3: I don't think it's because... I I think it's because you know something that's the same as the other person. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, I no. think that's a problem because a lot of people look at that. It's like, oh, we should, you know, you have to, like, force yourself to do something else. No. It's okay, though know the
1: same things as other people. I mean, you know? I hang around other of people. I love the other people. But my core that's a group, my friends, right, right. I feel comfortable.
3: As a coda, this episode hits home for me, so to speak. For most of my life, I've lived in two social worlds, one of privilege and affluence, but also one in which I'm able to view a marginalized culture that still doesn't get nearly the attention it deserves. Suffering is not a competition. Being deaf is its own unique challenge, and one that deserves every bit of attention that other disadvantaged populations should also receive. And we need all the voices we can get. Regardless of your experience with deaf culture, I think it's imperative that, if you're passionate or even so inclined, please get involved by sharing your ideas for progress and collaboration with and within the deaf community.
0: Okay, that's it for today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and review on whichever platform you're listening. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at Animal Riot Press or Facebook and Instagram under the same name or through our website, animalriotpress.com. This has been the third episode of the Animal Riot Podcast with your host, Brian Birnbaum, and featuring Joan Residi and David Birnbaum. Transcripts for our deaf and hard of hearing animals are provided by Jonathan K. And we are produced by me, Katie Rainey. See you later, you filthy animals.
3: The bell.